Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Under the radar. You're listening to Money FM 89.3, and it's now time for Under the Radar with me, Chua Tian Tian. Now, what happens when you have a group of engineers with backgrounds in 3D data processing, all in an online class studying computer vision? Well, they form a company that develops software systems for self-driving cars. And that's in fact the story behind our guest for today, Soul Robotics. Now, founded in 2017, Soul Robotics develops software systems for self-driving cars to determine traffic conditions. Its systems rely on data from light detection and ranging or LiDAR sensors rather than a combination of camera sensors, which was unheard of at that point in time. Now, the firm is also pioneering a new approach to automating vehicles called autonomy through infrastructure, where autonomous driving systems are placed on infrastructure rather than cars. Now, what this means is that this can lower the costs of building autonomous transportation networks because vehicles do not need to be fitted with cameras and sensors individually. It can also make autonomous transportation safer because driving systems placed on infrastructure can have a better vantage point and eliminate blind spots. But how revolutionary is this concept and how much money can this bring to the firm? Well, for more, let's speak to Han Bin Lee, Captain and CEO of So Robotics. Han Bin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Tian Tian. Great to have you on board. And Han Bin, we've briefly talked about it in the introduction about how So Robotics develops software systems for self-driving cars. I believe you are using this LiDAR sensors to track mm. ongoing traffic. Mm. A little bit technical here. Break that down for us in layman terms and take us through your value proposition and business model. Yeah, so we were essentially a computer vision company, but we are using sensor, not camera sensor, but LiDAR sensors. LiDAR sensors are essentially a camera device that takes picture with laser beams. So when the data comes in, it's not the color information, it's your exact measurement of the shape. So if the LiDAR takes a picture of me, we'll say, oh, so the guy is about 182 centimeter, has a little bit of a dead bot, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Instead of like, I have a, I have a, I have a skin color, I have a blue shirt, et cetera. So we are, we are kit core uh, IP is analyzing that type of information um, to make sense of what we see, such as, you know, where the vehicles are, where the people are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we have put that on the many different applications. And one of it is put it on the, the infrastructure for smart cities or people analytics, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. What would you say is your business model then in terms of how do you sell this type of technology mm. out? Yeah, so a lot of our business actually coming from installing lighters on the infrastructure. Uh, I'd like to highlight um, our BMW use case is it's autonomy through infrastructure. We put the sensors on the on the factory itself, and the, those sensors are guiding the vehicles so that the car, when the car is manufactured, it can be delivered to the train or ship or truck without human uh, interventions. Our business model is monthly license per uh, per either per vehicle that is moved or per the sensor that it installed. So it's a reoccurring monthly license business model. Mm. And I want to talk about the use of LiDAR sensors. Uh, how does it differ from what's traditionally used in the industry? And if LiDAR sensors are so good, why was it not the industry norm previously then? I think every sensor modality has their different unique strengths. Um, I don't think one sensor is superior than the others. Um, my philosophy was that, well, LiDAR sensors are going to be good at something that is better than I'll, I'll, I'll perform radar and camera in certain aspects. 
Um, so that's why we focus on the on the LiDAR systems. It tends to have a very accurate information of the location and shape and size of the object far better than the uh, radar and camera. Um, and in that strength, it brings some unique value to the autonomous driving systems or uh, smart city tracking measurement system, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And uh, let's talk about your new approach to building self-driving transportation network, which is called autonomy through uh, mm-hmm. innovation, uh, infrastructure rather. And yes. yeah. basically what that means is that you are placing autonomous driving systems and sensors mm. on infrastructure, which mm. I believe may be control towers or lampposts. I'm, I'm not too sure about that. But what this means is that instead of putting sensors on cars, this can lower the cost of building uh, yeah. autonomous driving networks because vehicles do not need to individually be fitted with those sensors. It can mm. also be safer because uh, if putting sensors on infrastructure has better vantage points, reducing blind spots. So tell us more about that. Yeah, so going back to the BMW use case, we, the system is currently being used in a factory. So in a factory a background, a factory produces like 300,000 cars a year. So let's say you want to make them autonomous driving and you need to put the sensors on each and individual cars. Instead, the factory itself has a couple hundred sensors just lined up everywhere. Um, and this factory itself is actually driving individual vehicles using the uh, connectivity that is already in the car. So the factory with just a few hundred sensors or automating can autonomously drive um, this 300,000 cars a year within this facility, right? So, um, that's the focus of autonomy three infrastructure. Um, do we uh, so? Do we put anything on the car? No, because almost every cars out there has two major functionality. It has some sort of a, a ADAS system and some sort of connectivity. For example, BMW has BMW Connected Drive. So we are overriding the system from the factory side to basically like a drone um, uh, controlling it from the infrastructure, so that the car doesn't have to perceive or think. Um, anything, you just need to listen to the infrastructure and it will just kind of follow around the path um, so that we can uh, move these cars more efficiently without the human engagement. So everything, all the perception, mm-hmm. planning, and control, and AI is done on the infrastructure. These cars or connected devices are just like drones. They just listen and execute where they need to go. So in essence, you're using your software solutions and, mm-hmm. uh, well, I guess hacking might not be the right word, but overriding data yes. or connectivity systems and non-autonomous vehicles, regular cars to make them autonomous. Well, right. um, take us through how much money is in that pot for your autonomous through infrastructure business. Yeah. So right now we are focusing on the market that is called the finished vehicle logistics, just, you know, when... Uh, when you buy a car, it needs to go through factory parking lots, ports, the local vehicle distribution centers and dealership. Every time somebody needs to drive them within the within the parking lot. So I think that 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 market is pretty significant. It's anywhere between ten to thirty billion dollars. Now we're expanding outside of the just the finished vehicle logistics to automating not just the the, the cars, the finished cars, but the other trucks, forklifts, and other trailers within the factory grounds. So I think that's another another several billion dollars. And lastly, we are actually expanding to the automating the trucks in the parking lot, um, which in the US alone, the truck logistics of labor costs is about $900 billion, but we are only focusing on the, the, the parking lots. So maybe 10% of the $900 billion, so maybe $90 million. 
90 billion dollars but this is a very rough estimation but bigger and big enough for our company to really uh, make a lot of money Mm, and I'm not sure if you know, in Singapore, we do have this, uh, the likes of Uber called Grab and it recently acquired a taxi company. And uh, we were talking to an analyst on the show and saying that imagine if a player like Uber or Grab can manage its own fleet of taxis and make it yeah. autonomous, it would become very powerful. Do you yeah. intend to, to go into this arena anytime soon? Yeah, so personally, I would like to stay at the B2B sector where the ground and the vehicle and people are owned by the, the company. So if we were to work with a taxi company, we do not want to engage our system on the public road. Rather, you know, maybe they have a big parking lot. They need to, um, the, uh, they need to, uh, they fix their fleets, etc. A rental car uh, station where they've got you know hundreds and thousands of cars in the parking lot, and somebody needs to continuously move and check where they are. I think those kind of parking lot application where we just install the sensors within that little facility. Um, and automate them as soon as they come into the facility. I think that's where we want to go. Uh, but the you know public road, there's you know a lot of liabilities. If something goes wrong, a company like us, we just cannot handle mm. it. If the Singaporean government says uh, you made an accident, you need to be reliable, and mm. I say I don't have money, <laughs> you know. So, but like B two B use cases, as long as the ROI makes sense, and as long as you know we can be liable for some of the damage that might be caused for our system then I think that it's a, it's a doable business. Mm. And let's talk a little bit about your geographical footprint. Currently, I believe Seoul Robotics has offices in Seoul, Munich and Atlanta. Tell us mm. more about your current skill in each of those markets. Also, what is the role of the different markets that you're in? For instance, I believe in the US, you have an office in Curiosity Lab at Peach yeah. Tree Corner, which is a, a tiny US town that's powered by 5G. Is that your test bit? So, um, so the, the, we are in Seoul, uh, Asia produces the most number of cars, you know, China, Korea, Japan combined produces about 60% of the percent of all the cars in the world. So Seoul is a wonderful location. Um, even Korea, Japan has the number one largest manufacturer, Toyota, to, uh, so, uh, Korea, Seoul has number third, a uh, third largest, Hyundai. Um, they make, Toyota makes 10 million cars, Hyundai makes 7 million cars. If you can automate those cars, I mean, it's a great market opportunity. We are at Munich, obviously, because we got, there's a lot of German premium manufacturers and our first, um, uh, autonomous, re- autonomous infrastructure was developed in Munich. So, you know, we, we plan to expand in the European market through that. In US, actually, the, the, that state around that Tennessee, uh, Georgia is, the highest concentration of the automotive factory in U.S. You got Toyota, Hyundai, Nissan, um, and other even BMW. All the factories are located there. Um, so we are very close to our initial uh, market again. Finnish vehicle logistics, not too far from those factories, is essential because we need to support um, the autonomous driving uh, 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 um, fleet operation uh, from those locations. So that that's a very strategic. Uh, uh, um, motivation mm-hmm. behind those locations. Mm. Okay, and uh, you mentioned a little bit about your clientele, and I do want to focus on that because you're looking at finished car transportation, right? When a car gets yep. produced in a factory, how do you transport it to the respective car park lots or to the ports? Mm. Um, who would you say are your customers at this point in time? I understand you talked about BMW. You're also working with Mercedes. Uh, who are your customers? So our target client is the car manufacturers, Um you know, I can I can go you know Volkswagen, Toyota, Honda, Nissan, Hyundai, uh, BMW, uh, uh, 
uh, Mercedes-Benz and you know, Volvo, et cetera, et cetera. It, whoever makes cars um, is our first initial target customers. And whoever owns factories, um, who needs to have this different components brought to the factory. So in our industry, there's two terms. Um, currently, we're focusing on outbound logistics when the, when the product is finished. That's outbound logistics. Now, I mean, we just begun with the inbound logistic, bringing these different parts using different vehicles into the factory grounds. So I think um, that's where we're going to target for the you know, next actually two, three years. Mercedes, BMW, are they already your clients? Uh, no, they're not. They're our, client. Our, our only notable client is BMW. Mercedes-Benz was actually a different type of project, was using our same identical system, but for different project and application that I don't think I'm allowed to talk about it. Uh, All right. Here. But it's not it's not the same application as BMW. I wish it was, but it's not. <laughs> well, and let's talk about your investor base. Uh, you received or you completed this twenty five million US dollars Series B funding round led by KB Investment Company recently. Tell us more about your investors base and the strategic value they bring to the table. We only had financial investors, so our largest are KB Investment, which is the KB Financial Group. The, well, I think the largest or second largest financial group in Korea. I think our second largest shareholder is the Korean Development Bank. And then we have other other actually bank-related LPs and investors in our portfolio. Uh, we also have Samsung Security uh, and the KB Security, which also can part of the Samsung Financial and the KB uh, Financial Group. Um, so it's a very, very clean um, uh, constitution of the financial investor. We do not have a single strategic investment investment um, I think we might get some within this end of this year maybe uh, being of next year we've been very careful on the on the strategic investment uh, because we just weren't sure how this market was going to unfold uh, but I think there there are quite uh, numbers of strategic investors who's kind of lined up to uh, put the money in when the, the round opens. Wrapping up the conversation, Hanbin, what are some future plans for Seoul Robotics in the second half of the year? Any plans to expand into Singapore or perhaps any uh, new valuations and all that that we can expect? So I was actually just at Singapore last month. I was uh, I was at an event hosted by Nomura Bank. Um, so and, and there's a Hyundai, uh, Hyundai car factory at Singapore, actually. So I think we might be able to work there. Um, but mm. the, the thing, the, the volume of car that is manufactured in Singapore might be a little bit too small. But uh, we're actively talking with the Singaporean invest- investment firms. Um, I think that might be the only tie between Sora Robotics and Singapore is the perhaps investment firm uh, helping us to grow. Um, uh, our plan is to uh, probably go to Korean uh, public market uh, fairly soon, maybe within one or two years, and really expand, continue to expand our portfolio uh, on the autonomy three infrastructure, as well as having this sensors sold for different applications such as smart city or tracking people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Exciting days indeed, and really looking forward to that, Hanbin. That was Hanbin Lee, Captain and CEO of So Robotics. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.